Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napson. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is one of our News and Cues episodes. The Cues stands for questions, and the questions are good, but news-wise, wow, this is an actual big news moment that we get to be a part of, Ken. This is a life day miracle we get to discuss. Breaking news on the actual day of the news. Wow, that's 
That's a four center breaking the curse, Joseph. <laughs> That's right. Normally, news breaks either while we are recording or about two hours and seven minutes after we stopped recording. <laughs> it's usually pretty precise. Uh, but this moment, this day, uh, I woke up. First thing I saw on my old phone was the Kenobi casting announcement, which was so great. Yes. And shout out to our four center Discord folks who always post some of that news in the uh, Star Wars news section on the Discord. And that's how I saw it this morning while making a cup of coffee and said to myself, this is going to be a great Kenobi day. Before we get to all that exciting stuff, we want to remind you today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free, free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we have a four center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And we're not done. We got an offer that I know some of you are taking advantage of, Joseph. Yes, please take advantage of this offer. It comes from Inside Editions. They're the publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books. They are offering 35% off across their website with a special Force Center code. You can get your discount by entering the coupon code FC35, or you can visit the website with this link, insightedditions.com slash discount slash FC35. Now, this week, uh, we are continuing to recommend a book that's coming out on May 4th, and it is called Star Wars Galactic Baking. Um, Ken, I finally got a chance to uh, open the advanced copy that they sent us, yep. and I noticed that on page 79, uh, there are puffer pig pocket pizzas, <laughs> and I am excited to eat that <laughs> because I like pizza. It is the best food stuff in the galaxy, as far as I'm concerned, and come on, puffer pigs. I want to know if these pizzas <laughs> are going to just explode in my mouth. I can finally get my revenge. <laughs> You can eat those puffer pigs. Well, now I actually kind of really love the puffer pigs because that's how Star Wars works for me. Yeah. Oh, look. Okay. I could do, you know, I, this is something I can do. I, I could do this. I, I might try this. Yeah. This one looks makeable. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, even at my low level of baking skill, I'm sure Galactic Baking will uh, will talk me through it. And yeah, I just cannot uh, wait to eat one of the most controversial figures from uh, the show Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at that, and then the very next day is Life Day Cake. So it's a Life Day all around. It is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So if you want to check out Star Wars Galactic Baking, again, that's coming out on May 4th. It is a great celebration of the galaxy and a bunch of great uh, recipes. You can get your copy from Insight Editions with the code FC35. Get it, my friends. Get it. It's a gift from your four center friends and help out the show in the process. Yeah, we get some big news, and, and some of you probably listening want to get to it. We always like to take a couple minutes to catch up with Life Adventures and Star Wars Adventures, because more often than not, the two intersect. Joseph, uh, did you uh, get any uh, Life and or Star Wars Adventure time this week? Yeah, I mean, a little bit for sort of direct Star Wars adventures. The main thing for me is I'm uh, reading Victory's Price, uh, the third book in the Alphabet Squadron trilogy. Enjoying that. We're going to be discussing it soon. Uh, I'm enjoying uh, stealing some moments at the end of the day. <laughs> uh, I, I go to bed dreaming about being a pilot in Star Wars because I'm reading that book at bedtime. Um, but for life adventures, uh, my wonderful wife, Sarah, uh, her birthday was last Thursday. And we took the whole day off, which I think, as everybody knows, that can just be really challenging. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, everybody has so many different things going on. I think even people who have a day job, it's harder these days to just go, hello, day job. Hello, one job. I am not coming in. You know, you still yeah. get get stuff from every, every angle. So I was really lucky to be able to take the day off. And mm -hmm. we went to a place in 
the greater Los Angeles area called Huntington Gardens. I'm sure a lot of people know it. Uh, it's uh, I had never been there before. Uh, I talk a lot about Descanso Gardens, which is also in L.A., and that's great. But Huntington Gardens was a, a really great experience uh, for me. They had this uh, Chinese garden, which is this, uh, it's got all of these different uh, buildings and little bridges and a waterfall all centered around a lake. And it's this great sort of like if Disney made a garden <laughs> is the way it felt like to me. Uh, but then you go through to the Japanese garden, which is these hills and valleys, and you can kind of just weave in these paths that are, kind of high up uh, uh, mm. on top of this valley and you disappear into these uh, like this more jungle like terrain that were in the it was in the dark and uh, you know because it was a cloudy overcast day on Thursday it also had this feeling but uh, what I'm building to for my Star Wars adventure was just got to spend all this time really letting go of all of the stress mm. not looking at my phone just being in nature and by the time I got into some of these smaller paths where you're just surrounded uh, by nature and you can't see any cables or anything uh, that's modern anywhere um it felt like uh, that moment in empire strikes back when luke talks about dagobah feeling like a dream like there's something about just being sort of uh, absolutely disappearing into nature that is very peaceful and dreamlike and it made me think of star wars in that way of like i feel like i am uh meditating i am one with the force and it feels uh, dreamlike beauty and really all it is is i took a day off and went to a park <laughs> <laughs> i i love huntington gardens we've been there once uh, um, um great time uh you know we we saw Tata, tatiana maslani there and the whole time i just kept are you in star wars you in star wars you in star wars? they asked me to leave the whole thing. <laughs> um it but it's so relaxed you're so right and you're transported in so many different ways um i, I know that the, the gardens that you're talking about there where you can kind of wind your way away from it all and up and away from it all and it's so good so yeah nice. yeah so that was really great uh, a great reminder to actually take some time off and you know connect with the living force so that was it for me how about you what were your life indoor star wars adventures yeah definitely definitely didn't have that day off feeling this past week uh, <laughs> uh the only time I, I did my taxes or had my taxes done on sunday that forced me to have a day off when afterwards i just sat numb for hours so that that counts i guess that counts. It's, uh, it's a little like uh, i felt like i was in phantom menace or something like that um but the only thing i'll tell you what um i, I wouldn't say grace and i Woke up every day dreaming about getting a Roomba or an iRobot, uh, one of those uh, robot uh, or robot vacuums. Oh, yeah. But we got one um, because um, a friend, good friend, longtime friend works there. And he said, hey, if you ever want one, just let me know. I can get you, you know, discounts. I can give out five a year and I'll give you one. I was like, God bless you. And, you know, you don't again, you don't want something until you're told you can maybe get something. <laughs> and, and you're like, yeah, we definitely need that. But I'll tell you what, to have this, you get to name the droid, uh, and it's a droid, and it goes around, and it's, uh, uh, I was delayed setting up the podcast because it was in my office cleaning. And, it, <laughs> and you just feel like you're in a Jetsons comic uh, a cartoon, or you you really do feel like you got a, a little mouse droid going around your house just going, yeah, I'll get that. Don't worry. I'll clean that up for you. And it's been pretty fun to just be obs obsessed and almost protective and in awe of, of a droid in our house. Have you stepped on it yet? It's no, it's, uh, it's hard. Not it's hard. It's hard to miss. Okay. Is it making a lot of noise? Is it, is it buzzing and whirring? A lot of whirring, a lot of loud whirring. Our, our <laughs> Chihuahua, uh, Baxter, not happy with it. Um, dog versus droid battles have been happening in the house, which are amusing at first, 
hour two gets kind of annoying. But um, yeah, it, but it's uh, you know, and, and uh, you you know, you don't know how much just dust and junk is on your floor until you have to clean out a dustbin, and you're like, I was stepping on this. <laughs> this oh. is what uh, my feet were on. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it is so amazing to me that that kind of wacky beat in A New Hope where Chewie growls at the mouse droid and it turns around <laughs> in fear is like that is playing out all across homes across the globe, right? Of the uh, of your your friendly buddy, your companion, your your dog like best friend is growling <laughs> at your little droid and telling it to go the other way. Totally back to Chewie, but also I, you know, I I. Uh, popped out of the shower and go into my little home studio here where, where I record on, on my side of the podcast. And we, we named it Vaxi after Ratsy or while was longer with us. And, and Vaxi is in, in my office cleaning. And I'm like, honey, honey, I got, I got to record four center. Like you got to tell Vaxi <laughs> to go. And she's like, well, she's not done yet. And I'm like, okay. But I, it, I, so I had, I had to wait and we, you and I weren't really late in getting set up, but I had to wait for the robot droid to start finish cleaning my room before I could start for center. Because <laughs> the, the the Roomba just goes when when and where the Roomba wants to go, right? Well, you know, it's it's currently mapping our house, which, by the way, is amazing and freaky and surreal in its own way, because now you have this weird map of, of your house, floor plan, flan, floor pan, but, like, literally, there's some shoes of mine that went around, and you can see them on the map. <laughs> like, oh, Does that's it- Converse. <laughs> Does the I I don't want to turn this into Roomba Center, but I just want to ask this: Does the Roomba learn your patterns of filth? Like, uh, for uh, me, uh, especially my first apartment, I had uh, you could tell where I sat on the floor to watch television because I didn't have enough furniture because there were the pizza crumbs there. Does the Roomba learn there will always be pizza crumbs right here? It learns your habits. It does. It is next level because we also have an Amazon uh, Alexa in the house too, and. You know, some people have some opinions on those and this and that, and I totally get it because um, it is kind of surreal and it is kind of weird. And so now, and eventually, I guess Grace is going to figure it out you can sync those two up. So the Alexa and the and the robot are going to be talking to each other, <laughs> planning our demise. Oh, they're and, doing a podcast for <laughs> sure. Podcasting. So very Star Wars-like, very Star Wars-like to have a little R2 unit, a little mouse droid R2 unit going around your house. That's amazing. Well, I'm glad you got the the Roomba hookup, uh, which is also, yeah. I think, a, a great title for a, a, a screenplay you can write. The Roomba hookup. The Roomba hookup. So, hey, I know a lot of people probably tuning in. Maybe maybe you're relatively new or it's been a few years since you listened to Force Center because you want to listen to this Kenobi news. You're like, why are these guys talking about a vacuum? So don't worry. We'll get to news. But we love catching up because we love finding Star Wars in every corner of our own lives. Um, but on that note, Joseph, let's get to it. Kenobi cast announced at least the main cast here. I'll read from the Disney press uh, release uh, and just is going to take us through some of the cast. Obi-Wan Kenobi, the new Disney plus special event series uh, starring Ewan McGregor as the iconic Jedi master will begin shooting in April. The story begins 10 years after the dramatic events of star Wars, revenge of the Sith, where Kenobi faced his greatest defeat the downfall and corruption of his best friend and Jedi apprentice, Anakin Skywalker, turned evil Sith Lord Darth Vader. Ooh, that's some pretty intriguing stuff already. Joseph, we know you and McGregor. We heard a lot of other rumors. We had some kind of soft confirmations, but what do we have for the cast right now? Yeah, this is just so great. Uh, I'm going to dive into the cast, but I'm going to take just one second to just be mm-hmm. super excited as a Star Wars fan that the the reality of this, that this is all 
happening. This isn't a a drip uh, faucet of rumors. This is a big official cast announcement from uh, Lucasfilm uh, in a in a lovely little uh, uh, Brady Bunch box <laughs> graphic yeah. of all the people, so you can look at them all. And man, it it is rare that just the way a press release is written just gets me thrilled but i love that this press release is really focusing and really reminding you that's what's at heart here the cast is you know the pre-announced cast is ewan and hayden christensen and we are reminding you that this is what kenobi is wrestling with his greatest defeat the downfall of anakin skywalker so thrilling uh for that so uh, but with, with that uh nerdery out of the way let's dive into the cast obviously you know ewan mcgregor is obi-wan kenobi that's pretty exciting Hayden Christensen is as Darth Vader, maybe Anakin Skywalker. We don't know. They're saying as Darth Vader. Uh, but then we get into all of these announcements. I think only one was, you know, pretty, um, pretty heavily reported by the trades in Dira Varma. So we talked about her before, but we'll get to that. Uh, but just going through the list in order, we have Moses Ingram. Uh, Moses Ingram has uh, is really kind of new to the scene, has just had a couple of uh, really big uh, breaks. I just saw Moses Ingram in The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Uh, mm. Did you watch that by any chance, Ken? I listened to it as Grace watched it. So I was playing baseball, but I heard it. She sounded great as a performer. <laughs> she was really, really great. Uh, she had, you know, she was, uh, well, I don't want to offer spoilers uh, for The Queen's Gambit. Uh, Queen's Gambit, I believe, is also a now extremely expensive uh, Phantom Menace uh, tactical role playing game uh, that is. Uh, Hard to get now. Anyway, uh, she was great. I thought she just she she delivered uh, comedy and drama and some like very important moments of heart when she absolutely needed uh, to deliver that. So I think that was really, really great. I was really excited by that. Um, and then some big news for Star Wars fans. Uh, this is all big news for Star Wars fans. Yeah. Uh, but we have the uh, confirmation of Joel Edgerton and Bonnie Pease, I believe. Uh, of course, Uncle Owen Lars and Aunt Brew, white son Lars. Ken, uh, how, how are you feeling about that confirmation that they are, that this is a prequel reunion? Love it. I mean, how could you not love it? I mean, I was just watching Rogue One yesterday when, when Jimmy Smith shows up as, as Bale. It's just like to go, go through that era as a prequel fan and to get now where now you see that and be like, yeah, yeah. I'm excited for both these performers. Joel Edgerton's kind of been campaigning for this from the beginning. And if you remember our, our friend Brian Ward, uh, who does the great posters and artwork? Does the for, did the Force and Art? You know, he did a like a parody, but like a, a Kenobi fan poster a couple of years ago. And, and and Brian tweeted out today. Bonnie P Peace uh, reacted to it and was like, "Oh my gosh, I would love to do that," and, and shared it. <laughs> it was like I would never turn down that role. So I'm excited for her. And, and you know, not, a lot of people are, are watch that documentary that was on HBO about that that uh, group, the cult, whatever you. And she was part of it and, and her name kind of came up again and in that context so i see to see it now and it's a little bit of a victory there too for her uh, i'm excited about that yeah yeah and how do you feel just about the the confirmation that these characters are a part of it in in one way that's totally not surprising given I, uh the the time period uh but do you find yourself you know really excited to think about what is the interaction? What are the scenes? Uh, what's the moments between Kenobi and the Lars? I want them at that same table, whether or not they go there or not, or it's uh, on the, the volume I don't know. But I want them at that same table on the Lars homestead uh, where, where 
Phil Brown as as, as Uncle Owen denies uh, Kenobi's existence. <laughs> that was just that was just a crazy old man. I want that same scene to actually see that crazy old man arguing with 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 Owen while Baru's trying to play it down the middle and keep everyone uh, uh, you know together on what to do about young Luke Skywalker. I, that's exciting and intriguing. Yeah, I, I think for me, just the kind of emotional truth of this narrative that it, it it can be easy to go like, well, why did Kenobi just sit on his hands and not train Luke, right? right. And I, it's been developed in comics. It's, it's there other places, but getting to see it on the screen of Kenobi's journey of, I trained Anakin stubbornly right away because I made this promise uh, to Qui-Gon and I didn't listen to anybody else about it. And now that didn't turn out well. (laughs) And my first instinct is to train Anakin's son. And then here's this, these people, these guardians who are saying, you know, you failed once, take a step back and stay away. And thinking of kind of emotionally how Kenobi would process that, that push pull between I want to be proactive. I want to train him, but I need to reflect on my failure and I need to respect these people who are raising him who are saying no. Yeah, look, there's some great stuff. You mentioned some of the comics. I think a couple stories, and from a certain point of view, uh, uh, the uh, New Hope version. Really, uh, not that not that uh, we were going around needing justice for Uncle Owen, but this idea of, yeah, he's the, the, the curmudgeon, uh, grumpy, stay here on the farm, you youth uh, character from New Hope, which, which resonates for, for generations upon generations. Uh, you know, I get it. But to have him kind of be like, I'm protecting you. I know what I'm doing. And I'm doing it, uh, and I'm I was willing to do it. Uh, let me do it, Kenobi. Uh, and, and I don't want to have uh, happen to Luke what what happened to his father, who I met and knew, and <laughs> was there for. I think that's going to be some really interesting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the other thing with uh, with Aunt Beru is I think it is a, a chance to maybe I don't think this is going to turn into the uh, you know Kenobi and Beru's Beru show, right, but. Right. Even in a small way, I think it is a great opportunity to spend some more time with a mother figure or at least uh, celebrate a mother yeah. figure in Star Wars. Because Luke goes through his his challenges where he is tempted by uh, fear and anger, but he's got this very solid grounding that Anakin didn't have. And I think a lot of that is because he was raised with love and uh, Owen certainly really watched out for him, maybe leaned too far into the sort of the fear of, uh, the the way to never have any problems is to not do anything, stay on the farm. But I just think there's a great story in there where Baru just gave him such a solid foundation of love and support and kindness. And it would be great to even see a glimpse of that to to celebrate that. Especially because she, she spent so much time with Shmi and to see, you know, uh, what she may have picked up from there or where they, you know, were in sync on, on views of the world or, or, or whatnot. Uh, I think that's a great point, Joseph. I think it's a great point to, to really, it's not just, I don't, I hope it's not, I, I trust it's not, but I hope it's not just that, yeah, you know, there's these two characters, you know, like really having a chance to go into some of these big themes. I think that's great. And to trace it in Luke's life, you know, and we're looking at maybe, maybe, a, you know, 10 year old Luke roaming around that farm there. It totally would make sense to address that. Yeah. And I love that you bring up the Shmi connection. That is so important to me because it's easy to go, oh, well, Anakin met this guy uh, for, you know, five minutes. They didn't get along. How is this Luke's family? And like, I really think that from Owen and Baru's perspective, uh, this kid is Shmi's grandson. And, and I, you know, I always like the headcanon that like he, he is a Skywalker. He is 
Shmi's grandson. So he will have that name, you know, that that is, you know, to me, yeah. the reason that he still has that name in my head canon. But yeah. now he might get some on-screen Disney plus canon. Uh, moving along, because we could just do a whole whole episode about the Lars, and we might. Uh, move on to the next uh, cast member, Kamal Nanjiani. Uh, he will, of course, be known to people from lots of great stuff. Uh, the film that he uh, co-wrote uh, with his uh, wife, Emily V. Gordon, about their relationship, uh, The Big Sick. Uh, that script was nominated for uh, an Academy Award. Of course, he starred on Silicon Valley. And he's going to be in the Marvel movie, The Eternals. He's been in that Marvel movie that is done (laughs) and just waiting for the pandemic to end so it can be released. Uh, So this is is kind of a a big and fun one because I think a lot of people have a different kind of relationship with Kamal because he's one of these people who um, his career is really based in comedy, but he's obviously uh demonstrated his acting chops and his huge love of genre storytelling what do you think about this one i i really enjoy it and it's so fun to see where he has gone starting out in comedy and some i just love him on early seasons of portlandia him as the bank uh, birthday loan managers is one of my favorite uh little bits and sketches on that show and and, and he has that style but he's grown beyond them and in famously and infam- infamously in some corners of the internet got uh you know got real buff <laughs> for that marvel role so now and not that you just want to cast on body type you you, you try not to do that but but now you, Three years ago, I would have been like, oh, he's going to be some sardonic um, shopkeeper. Now I'm like, I, I don't know. You know, <laughs> he can do anything. And and, and I got it. Our, our friend, Mark Canope in uh, Discord, uh, he's the one who said this first. And, and there may be other people in the universe that have said it as well. But the idea of him playing a, a grown-up a kidster, I can't move <laughs> away from now. I can't move away from that. Yeah, no, I mean, that seems like a, a good possibility. I think we all want kidster to have turned out with just a great life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or maybe he will be a, a bounty hunter. You know, things have not gone well for Kitster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is such a weird and fun one for me. I don't personally know uh, Kamal. I'm not best buds with him by any means, but I have so many mutual friends. I, I you know, I when I first came to L.A., I was, you know, uh, involved with the uh, alternative comedy scene so you know i've been you know at many events with him i've done his show he's brought me onto stage as a stand-up comedian um so it's really fun to see that transition from this guy i know who who is already very successful you know when i cross paths with him but i mostly know him from i can go to the back room of that comic book shop and hear his super funny stand-up jokes is yeah. now in obi-wan kenobi <laughs> you know and for me obviously growing up with uh, kenobi you know Kenobi is this otherworldly thing and it is that weird moment where sort of you know uh real life transitions into the stars and it's really cool to see yeah I like yeah that's great uh moving on to Indira Varma we talked a lot about her when she was one of the uh, cast not announcements but rumors uh any new thoughts no still the same thought I'd love to see she she could go 42 different directions she's so talented um I don't want to just re, you know, regurgitate some great things she's done before. Her great turn on Game of Thrones is obviously, obviously, something big on my mind as, uh, uh, as um, uh, you know, Ilaria Sand. So I, I could still see her doing something like that and and uh, testing the bounds of, of of Kenobi as as a fully functional uh, human or humanoid <laughs> from Stu John down to Tatooine and just could they have not necessarily it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship but just what could she represent for him or she could be an imperial officer 
uh, leading the search for surviving Jedi. I don't know, but uh, she's so versatile and great. Yeah, and I think that's a big picture reaction to a lot of these people. It, it is super fun and super tempting to to play the what existing character could they possibly play? Kitster. <laughs> yeah. Kitster is great. Uh, but a lot of these characters are just like, I think that they will either play somebody, you know, people who affect his life on Tatooine, denizens of Tatooine, or people that he will yeah. meet and encounter on his journey. Cause I think uh, Kenobi is, is leaving Tatooine, yeah. uh, you know, and he's got a lot of people to meet along the way, you know, including probably, uh, bounty hunters and uh, maybe maybe some rebel spies, maybe some Imperials. All these people could all all be those things, right? Yep, absolutely. And we move on then to a Rupert Friend. Uh, I know Rupert Friend myself from Homeland uh, and uh, the Pride and Prejudice film that is a seminal for many, many people. He's been in a bunch of different things, but those are the two that I grabbed. Homeland's where I really know him from. And he's one of those characters, like, uh, from Homeland, his role there in that uh, show changes a lot and is extremely uh, intense. And he's going through lots of horror, lots of tragedy, lots of uh, kind of just uh, funny moments. So charming, so engaging. So I'm super happy to see him in the list. What are, do you have any uh, viewing relationship with Robert, uh, with Rupert friend? Other than I'm, I'm sure one point I saw Pride and Prejudice, um, yeah, no, I don't. Um, but uh, looking at his resume, it's, it's obviously impressive. And just if you're looking at, uh, again, casting based on um, previous experiences or even the look, the promo shot they used is like, oh, so an Imperial officer for sure. So we have a lot of potential <laughs> Imperial officers. Yeah, I think what if all these people, every single one is an Imperial officer, even Joel yeah. Edgerton and Bonnie Pease. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, we move on to O'Shea Jackson Jr. Uh, he is uh, obviously starred in the film Straight Outta Compton, playing his father. Uh, he's also in the film Ingrid Goes West with Aubrey Plaza, where it sounds like he's got a lot of kudos for playing a, a charming, funny character. Um, I have not seen Ingrid Goes West, but I did see Straight Outta Compton, which I thought was great. And I thought he was amazing in the role and is just an actor with amazing chops. Mm -hmm. uh, what's your relationship with this actor? Same, same thing. And just, it's still, blow, it, I mean, it, I'm, you know, we're of that generation of, you know, when uh, NWA hits and all that stuff and you're just like, you know, to see it years later to see <laughs> Ice Cube's son play him, but you were like, oh no, but they got, they got him to, to play himself, right? Not as, oh, that's his son. Wow. <laughs> um, love it. And then, like you said, to, to show all kinds of range and just become a, a really respected actor. I, I, you know, there's, there's no, no typecast in here. I, I'm, I'm open to, like you said, if Kenobi leaves the planet, Who's he going to meet? And uh, this is a potential uh, denizen of the galaxy. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm really focused on that. If if there's an inciting incident or if it is just, you know, the, the failures eating at Kenobi and he decides to leave, whatever it is, I feel like a lot of these characters have to be in his, his journey to find, mm -hmm. like, you know, what kind of transport is he going to take, you know? Is there a reason that he is very much aware that... Uh, Chalman's Cantina is where to find pilots, you know, because this is where he meets <laughs> uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, That'd be great. To book a flight. Uh, moving on. We just got a couple more. Sung Kang. Uh, I do not know uh, this actor well, but of course, many other people do from the Fast and Furious films, which uh, I mean to set aside a very long weekend to finally binge all these films because I've never seen any of them. How about you, Ken? Uh, I've seen a couple of them. That's uh, not a sweeping judgment of the franchise. They're very popular for a reason. And this is a performer that is popular as well. That is 
grown in popularity from uh, he was in the Tokyo Drift, the fourth one, which was by you know when you kind of felt the franchise was on the way out, everything. Then the fifth one comes and turns the franchise into uh, much more than just uh, car racing, uh, which people would say the first one wasn't just about car racing. Ken, get get with it. Um, and so to see him, to see an actor kind of return a role uh, and and and. Uh, gain even more popularity and, and more calls for for him to be in other things to see him uh, uh, get something as high, high profile of, of, of this it's great and again fast and furious pretty high profile um but also to see that connection fast and furious and star wars uh, those are often you know you'd think of them as two separate worlds literally and, and figuratively in the film worlds um but to see them come together and i'm just happy for uh the uh, performer with, with so many people always calling for his name to be in things yeah yeah absolutely um and it's so fun to see with star wars sometimes somebody will be cast in a small role just kind of like i wanted to be in star wars and so i played you know an imperial officer like we keep joking so sometimes people will just you know be in star wars to do some small thing and then sometimes they kind of get they lean into what they are known for right so it's yeah. fun with an actor like this where you could be like he could be an imperial officer he could be you know uh the nighttime bartender at Jalman's. Or he could absolutely be a racing land speeders, you know? Right. Uh, Brian Ward again this morning tweeted out a, a, a mock-up art of him in a pod uh, racing. <laughs> like, that, could, that could work too. Yeah, you're talking about pilots you meet in the galaxy and everything. Like, like if you want to go for that. So, yeah, there's so much potential. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we got two more uh, announced cast members. Simone Kessel uh, looked her up. She was on the uh, briefly run Terra Nova television show and then just a bunch of uh, various television and movie credits since the 90s. Uh, I am not familiar with her work, except for the, one of these kind of actors of like, oh, yes, I probably saw you in an in individual episode of this television show. Uh, but I, you know, it, it was a kind of a, a day player, you know, one off thing. Uh, so I'm really excited to see, I, I think for myself, that there is such a mixture of of people, uh, people like uh, Kamal, who is in the middle of making this jump from uh, being a comedy guy in uh, a, a good actor to a genre guy and, you know, uh, an action hero. Uh, and then seeing somebody like uh, Moses Ingram from The Queen's Gambit, whose career is just exploding with the, these first uh, few roles. Uh, and then to see someone like uh, Simone Kessel, who's been in the business for a while, but maybe this will be a bigger break. Oh, I love it. You, you know, you and I probably because we're old grizzled weirdos ourselves. We we love, uh, you know, seeing uh, love, uh, Mandalorian, a lot of a lot of older performers. I mean, a lot of people still talking about, uh, uh, you know, Boba Fett and Fennec Shand, uh, what, 57 and 60. <laughs> we love that. You know, I love it. And uh, she yeah, she's uh, she's mid 40s. And. And love that idea of of, of uh, a diverse cast in a lot of ways, including age. And interesting note, you know, not super familiar with her, her long resume of work, but I, I love sometimes looking up and seeing where some of these actors are from. She, she is from Auckland, New Zealand, and is, her mother is Maori. So automatically, Joseph, I think she's Boba Fett's uh, sister, uh, <laughs> and I'd like to submit that into court. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Django asked for two clones. It turns out, and turns we out, did out. not know. We did not know. Uh, yeah. Um, final uh, actor, and then we can talk about big picture stuff. Uh, Benny Softy, uh, Safty. Uh, I apologize uh, for the, uh, the mispronunciation. Um, this is a person that 
people are extremely excited about. And you and I, Ken, are just bathed in ignorance on this one because we have not watched uh, his filmmaking work. Obviously, he is an actor, uh, but he's also uh, one part of the Safdie brothers, uh, Mm -hmm. responsible for a bunch of different films, but in particular, Uncut Gems, which is very popular. But neither you and I have seen it, right? Yeah. And you know what I, you know, I, I like um, a lot of Sandler stuff too, but I know it's, a, a, I, I, so many people talked about that movie and I got to, you know, again, shout out to our, our four center discord. Uh, a lot of people just really excited saying this is an interesting get, uh, uh, you know, probably even more for the filmmaking side of, of Benny Safdie and, and his brother, Josh, which by the way, I think we have, unless you're talking about directing individual individual episodes, we have a lot of directors and creators lined up for projects. I'd love to get more just done and out there before we start getting more worried about who else is making them, but he's a performer in this series. Uh, and, and I love it. And if it's kind of a, I sound so old saying this, if it's kind of a hip casting, that's good for Star Wars. Yeah. But I, I do think that it is cool to see that all of these people on this list are actors who could play mm-hmm any role because they are good actors. Yeah. But there is also a, a little bit of a continuation of uh, what uh, Favreau was talking about with his choices with the Mandalorian of let's get people who are great performers. Maybe they'll, they'll do something similar to what you expect. Maybe they'll do something really different than what you would expect. But because of their fame from different places, they bring this different energy. They bring this different uh, fandom, right? Uh, and, and that's really interesting to see somebody like, I love Uncut Gems. I love this, you know, really, you know, daring indie filmmakers. So that makes me more interested in watching something that maybe maybe a fan of their films thinks, ah, Kenobi, it's kind of safe. But wait a minute, look at this cast. Maybe it's not so safe. Maybe I'll check it out. Yeah. No, well, I'll tell you what. So we mentioned Fast and Furious. Uh, what, what that cast always was, but what it kind of got to by... Fast five, six, seven, and eight. I mean, some of the numbers they were doing, and and I I, I saw a lot of great um, conversation, even a think piece or two about that cast. It the diversity of the cast, and that that word diversity all across. Again, uh, you know who you are, gender and backgrounds, and where you're born and age, all this kind of thing. I mean, all of that. But you just touched upon something that series pulled from a lot of different worlds and put everyone in a cast, and so you do bring that in. It is kind of businessy to sound like that so to have star wars just to be like boom this guy this guy that guy this guy uh, this cast kind of represents that uh from the alternative comedy world to you know a, a, a popular netflix uh, indie film that everyone's raving about like that that's uh, game of thrones all that kind of stuff i mean i think that that could really be a, an underrated uh, aspect of what's going on here yeah absolutely and i think it just it brings excitement to the project and it reminds you that it is not you know obviously it is kenobi's show it's called kenobi hayden christensen is right there front and center uh, mm-hmm. but it's going to bring in all these different this different energy and, and attitude and perspective and uh yeah i think for my big picture uh reaction you know i, I think talking about the diversity is important i'm really thrilled it is just really uh for me uh gratifying to just look at this um, graphic that they put out. And on one hand, you can just get excited about, you know, who's returning. Oh, I, I, that's one of my favorite characters from this different property. But it's also just nice to look at a graphic and just go, uh, that's what the world looks like. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, and, and yeah. that's what it's about is everybody getting to be able to uh, see themselves mm-hmm. in the galaxy far, far away uh, that we all love, that we all deserve to see ourselves in it. Yeah, no, I, I exactly, you're exactly right. That's, that's the idea 
is a reflection of of, of your fan base, hopefully, and, and the world that you're functioning in. Uh, while even though you're in a galaxy far, far away, uh, that uh, that's clear in that photo and, and and clear in what they're deciding to do here, and I like it. Yeah, yeah. So, any uh, any other big picture thoughts from you, Ken? Just so excited, and this is you know we're not surprised that this show's happening. We've known for a while now, uh, and even beyond that, there was strong, just not even rumors, but just strong, like yeah, they'll don't worry, they're going to announce it soon. It's happening here in, in in town and in the industry. But go back, and someone, gosh, someone tweeted out to me. Remember er, earlier for early four center stuff, Joseph? We had a give us Kenobi hashtag going. <laughs> That's right. And uh, we always say, great time to be a Star Wars fan. That has never gone away. Never, despite all the bad things and dark sides of fandoms and all those kind of things which are very real and things to be discussed and dealt with and, and grow from. Just as a fan and getting these new stories and to explore it, I, I just, it's a dreamlike scenario for all of us. And, and I still like to pause. And today was one of those days just to pause and go, Uncle Owen, Emperor Hayden Christensen, which by the way, who knows, you know, James Earl Jones could be voicing him, uh, young Luke. We don't, we don't know. This is not even the end. Uh, and, uh, and the surprises could still be coming, but just to know that it's about to, to start happening. So got a ways away, uh, maybe about a year or so. Right. But, uh, production starting, it's a dream and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I definitely wanted to touch on your, your big picture thoughts, but I also want to touch on the, this is not necessarily everyone. Right. Yeah. Um, because I think, you know, I think Liam Neeson is still a possibility. I think, you know, the voice of Frank Oz is still a possibility. Um, James Earl Jones or maybe somebody else voicing Vader. Uh, we don't know. Um, but I wanted to ask you specifically about Child Luke. By the time that you see a see Owen and Brew confirmed, uh, do you feel like that is a a subtle confirmation of a uh, Child Luke being seen? I do. Yeah, I, I really do. And and yeah, again, where the rumors floating around, and everything. Of course, of course, of course. But to see it, it just it just makes sense. Much like I think Luke showing up in in, in Mando too, or any other versions of some of these characters. If it, if it makes sense for the story, I think it. Uh, it, it should be there. And I think, uh, you know, ten, again, 10 year old Luke, uh, that really works for me. Uh, and I, and I don't, I'm not saying you need to spend a ton of time. I'm not saying he and Kenobi have to go, uh, you know, go to the Moss Eisley version of Chuck E. Cheese or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just, just, it, it, it makes sense for me. Yeah. I know we've seen things in, in comic books that great detail in Kevin Scott's, uh, Kenobi story in the from a certain point of view a new hope book where uh where Obi-Wan is leaving him little carved uh mm-hmm. you know ships uh, that he's carved as toys to encourage uh, Luke's interest in flying we've seen in comic books and books the you know promise of of the truth that in a new hope Luke is aware of Kenobi and they've had some interactions before right. um I wouldn't mind seeing an actual interaction um mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind to see Kenobi, and I know I said we've seen it in comics, but I wouldn't mind seeing Kenobi, you know, have to literally protect him, keep him safe. I don't mind that. But also, I think if it is just, I think thematically, this is taking Kenobi of how do I move past Mm -hmm. the loss of Anakin to giving my full focus and my full faith in Luke Skywalker as the chosen one, as a new hope even if this is just uh, like the moment in uh, the Rebels episode where where Obi-Wan is looking on and seeing Luke from afar, I think mm-hmm. we need that moment because I think this show on the deepest level is about uh, Kenobi fully 
committing to his mission and his purpose to defend Luke. Yeah, yeah, we, we've discussed in those terms before a, a great turning of the chapter, turning of the pages in Obi Wan's life, and I'm thinking of uh, you know the Twin Sons episode of, of "Look What I've Risen Above," and, and to have dive into that and and to have Kenobi. I love the idea of him being a little frustrated, but still doing his job out here or whatever that job is. I love him looking back and going, I, I can't let that failure, can't let the failure of Anakin sit. And maybe that's how I save the galaxy. And then having to come to terms that, no, it's looking forward. All those things are potentially in play. And, uh, you know, we try not to lock ourselves into too tight of uh, expectations around these parts. Um, but this series is just inspiring a lot of expectations in a great way. Yes, yes. Those are my, I hope, uh, responsible speculating. Uh, <laughs> but if I'm wrong, I will let it go. Uh, I also th- still think uh, yes, Satine cameo is possible. Sure. Maybe uh, in Ahsoka or Rex appearance. I'm not as sold that those are like really uh, core to, they'd be cool, but I don't know that they're core to the story. Um, but I think a teen cameo is possible, but I'm not uh, jumping up and down uh, seeing her in this cast myself. Yeah, no, and I know uh, there's been some talk. It could have been by the time we released this episode, it could have been taken down. Moses Ingram uh, to, uh, put someone on Instagram, something about, uh, oh, yeah, swinging some lightsabers or something like that. And so now speculation of Yoga Soko or Inquisitor or something or steals Kenobi's lightsaber. We, we don't know. <laughs> um, uh, it's part of the fun, and, and we believe in absolutely speculating uh, like Joseph said speculate responsibly is always our goal but it's just fun to have one of these days where you just don't know and you get to wonder yeah yeah in uh, my final thought it, it will echo yours of this project has had such a tumultuous life right where uh, yeah. the probably accurate reporting that a director had been attached, but there was no confirmation for a film. That great uh, press conference I'll have to try to find again where uh, it's right before Solo comes out and Ewan McGregor's got the perfect Kenobi beard Hmm. and people are grilling him about if he's going to be Kenobi and he uh, changes the topic to to talk about the breath mint that he's eating (laughs) (laughs) to the great moment where, you know, he gets announced and asks Kathleen Kennedy, can you please ask me? if I'm going to be Kenobi again. And he says, yes, with that mm-hmm. great release. And then even after that, there were like, you know, there were some script uh, revisions and mm-hmm. there was the production got moved back and people were like, uh-oh, it's not going to happen. It's not like this right. project has had so many ups and downs and confirmation from Lucasfilm. We're starting filming, you know, we're starting production in a couple weeks. It's real. It's just great. Absolutely great. What a wonderful time to be a Star Wars fan. <laughs> Indeed. All right, Ken. Uh, you want to you wanna grab the reins of the news? I do. Let me take this Eopia of a news uh, segment uh, forward here. Uh, we've got a couple of little stories to discuss. Kevin Scott, you mentioned him. Man, what a, what a wonderful name is Star Wars now. You know, he's talking about someone who's been f- giving us great content but helping to frame what's coming down the line here. Uh, his work in the High Republic is is getting rave reviews and he was on a uh, podcast for comicbook.com, and he was asked about the upcoming series. The Acolyte, as we know, is uh, being developed and uh, show run by Leslie Hedlund, uh, among others, but she's kind of uh, front and center of the, of the team. Uh, everyone loves to work on R- Russian Doll. So um, they asked about the series and its possible connections to the High Republic era, because as we do remember, they tease the Acolyte uh, coming at the end of the High Republic era era and that's kind of all we got on them scott said the series will not uh, be directly impacted by high republic stories 
and the development of the TV series hasn't altered any stories or plans for the High Republic. Uh, he says, uh, uh, no, because I think we predated that because we've been working on this for a good number of years now. So what happened was people were getting excited about the High Republic as we were creating it, which was great to see. And there have been all these other plans as well. But the great thing that Star Wars is so good at is taking the, quote, things been being worked on over here and this thing's being worked on over here. So let's bring it together. So let's uh, pause right there and dive into uh, your thoughts on on uh, this news and that quote, Joseph. Yeah, this is great. I, I really like this uh, confirmation. It all makes sense to me. You know, I think that I want some shows like possibly The Acolyte to just be their own a self-contained story that, you know, doesn't impact big galactic events or major characters, you know, and I think that everything that Kevin Scott's uh, saying makes sort of a common sense from what we've seen developed before, that if Leslie Headland comes, like, I got this story, you know, she really discussed in that great YouTube interview that it is like, I was really inspired almost just by, you know, uh, the makeup of the galaxy of what if they travel from this planet to this planet and what kind of mystery thriller, uh, you know, story develops from this uh, Star Wars travelogue. If she's got this story and then people like, oh, you know what era that fits in really well is this. It, It fits into this exact time span. That makes sense to me much more than... The Acolyte is going to be the on-screen finale of the High Republic publishing. You know, it, I, I think it's going to be more connections like this is the state of the galaxy. This is, you know, the Senate's really starting to kind of fall apart or uh, that those those great connection uh, levels, even small things like the compass from Battlefront 2 in The Last Jedi or, you know, maybe at this point in the High Republic. There's tiny, tiny dregs of the Nile left and she runs into one of those. Like to me, it's just much more about you know, what kind of, uh, uh, what's the state of the galaxy? What kind of people are running around more than story points? Yeah. hundred percent. And same, same point of that is, is you want these creators to be able to tell their stories as we know, or take them where they need to and keep going back to Favreau going, I, I didn't know Luke was going to show up until it felt like right for my story to do that. And, and, um, that's kind of what the story group's there for. It always got miscast as they're the ones handing out the stories, <laughs> you know? Uh, and sometimes maybe there's some, specific examples of now nah, you can't do this and this guy's there but you know it's a tr- it's a treasure trove of information if you want it as a creator so be able to connect it all yeah and i would never i never felt the even upon announcement even part of that morsel that this would be the end of the of the era uh you know especially since it was such a it's a publishing initiative like you said and we all know so excited for that there uh excited for what that uh will allow the acolyte to just be yeah. Yeah. And I think that's just a, a thing for like me to remember as a fan, too, is like sometimes you get really excited about the uh, the ways the stories couldn't connect in a big picture. But like the way I've been trying to think about it is uh, it doesn't happen often. But in the real world, you could set a show during the prohibition and that would be a truth of the world building. But it doesn't necessarily have to be about prohibition, you know? <laughs> Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, which sometimes I felt that was Boardwalk Empire a series I loved, but sometimes that'll work too. Um, <laughs> sorry, side note: Boardwalk Empire Center coming. Uh, this tales of Nucky Thompson. Um, yeah, he also talked about quote other threads of Star Wars coming into the uh, long High Republic era. Again, the High Republic era, we got like two hundred years or so here, right? And working towards final points, but again, not necessarily saying that's the acolyte. Um, but it's, it got me thinking too, just about just looking ahead, just like, yeah, we are going to get a an end of the era kind of story or all kind of, uh, you said, a final point. That, that's uh, that's pretty exciting for me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to me, what I just hear is uh, a great way to 
zero in on by the time we're watching Phantom Menace, what's not working in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And to me, things that are like specifically in Phantom Menace before Sheev even kind of begins his first big chess moves of the invasion of Naboo is, well, the Outer Rim has fallen to the Crime Lords, to, to Huts, right? And it certainly is not, uh, you know, Republic law does not exist uh, in parts of the Outer Rim. And given that the High Republic is beginning with trying to reach out to the Outer Rim, mm. that's a pretty obvious one to me. Uh, I think that, you know, the critique that we see of the Jedi Order in uh, the prequels is that they have become overly rigid and they cling to dogma and uh, they cling a little bit too much to the worst case scenarios, right? Mm-hmm. Um, seeing seeing Anakin, a young boy who who understandably has feels fear and loss and, and really responding to that with a, nope, we're not even going to consider <laughs> uh, yeah. the compassionate part of this. We're, we're going to really focus on that. This could not go right, so no. Um, so I think there's this, you know, the Jedi become rigid and they cling to dogma. And then I think the other big thing for me is we clearly see in the Phantom Menace when Padme goes to the Senate that this institutional rot has gotten into the Galactic Senate and prevents them from taking any sort of decisive action and from helping people in the galaxy. So like that to me is like the world building of how did the Jedi get so rigid? How did the Galactic Senate start to fall apart? How did the Outer Rim uh, fall into uh, control of the crime lords. I think, uh, yeah, I, I, well said. And I think it all leads to the official end of the High Republic era is the election of Chancellor Valorum. <laughs> <I don't laughs> he meant well, but he's he just, well. come on, come on. And so closes the chapter of the High Republic era. I mean, his first uh, name is Finnis, right? That's yeah. that's pretty final. That's final. That's true. There you go. Get that right in a trivia competition, right? Uh, uh, I did not. And now I will never forget. <laughs> Same with me and Tivik in Rogue One. All right, uh, so we'll keep you updated. Uh, I think the Acolyte is uh, just low-key one of our more anticipated series here at Force Center because it's uh, so potentially different inside the Star Wars story. Final story of the day. We got this book coming out here shortly uh, called Skywalker, A Family at War, written by Kristen Baver. Uh, you all should know her from her work at StarWars.com and the uh, Star Wars YouTube channel. And as a extensive career before that, uh, handling, quote, hard news, he said, with a hard R like a pirate. Um, <laughs> so an excerpt was released of the book. And and this is, uh, for me, uh, you know, a, a very anticipated book. I, I've called for these kind of Star Wars books or content that just kind of look at the, the this saga we love, much like we do here on podcasts and everyone out there does on podcasts. To have it done officially from uh, from the Star Wars perspective is something I'm really interested. In. So I was curious uh, about this, and 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 we took a read here. So Joseph, what do you think here about the style and the presentation, and what you took from this little uh, little piece of the book, Skywalker: Family at War? Yeah, I loved it. I think it was exactly what uh, is uh, advertised on the tin, and exactly mm-hmm. what I hope for. Exactly the kind of thing that. Uh, that you're talking about is let's lay down all of these moments and these beats and let's, let's tell it as a linear story and, uh, and find the connections. Um, mm. I really like that. It's written like a biography that it, it reminded me of, you know, actual human biographies <laughs> that I've read mm. that it's, you know, it's sharing the facts in the events and then it's making sort of journalistic deductions about the impact on the characters. Right. Um, it's telling us how Anakin would feel about these events, but it's not, you know, written like prose where it is literally going into his mind and we're hearing his thoughts. It is much more like, you know, I read a, a, 
a biography about uh, Dean Martin when I was very young that I really liked uh, because it, it laid out the facts. But then the author took leaps and said, well, based on how Dean Martin responded to this, this and this that I can document, these documented events, I think he probably felt like this. And it feels like that to me of like a, a journalistic deduction about mm. how the characters feel about being about these personal events and these big galactic events. Uh, so I love that it's giving you this great insight that uh, I think Kristen Baver is really great at, but it also still leaves room for interpretation. It's like, this is one biography about the Skywalkers that maybe someday you could read another. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, you're already going to see, I already saw some article, Connor, I didn't even click on it, but it's just a headline of just like star Wars answers the question about the chosen one in, in this book. And that's, not the intention it's not what it's doing as you described joseph there's always going to be room and that's part of the funds to look at it to, to analyze these stories and uh, i'm excited to see what we can learn i'm excited to see what we can see but I also just love seeing it all just laid down on the table and and some of it might be for, for if you're a four center fan you, you're probably already there for some of it you're going to probably be like yeah yeah no i already kind of watched the movie and figured that out but I, I thought of the the Filoni monologue that everyone loved from the behind the, the the Disney gallery behind the scenes of the Mandalorian and and where where he explained the Qui Gon Maul fight, which is in this little piece of the book they put out there. And I remember the time, like you know, I've I've watched, I've just put that on a few times. I think it's so good, and, and without a without a doubt, the man in the cabal hat knows this stuff. And sometimes the cult of Filoni springs up around him, not that he asked for it to spring up around him. And so it can, it can turn into another kind of conversation about Dave and Dave, Dave alone. But to hear that, and remember people, people were excited about that, Joseph. And also people were excited because they had never thought about it that way before. And it might seem so simple to, to fans who are just clued into star Wars themes and lessons. Like maybe we are here at four center in our, our audience. I loved people getting genuinely excited by hearing Dave Filoni's take on that fight. Oh, yeah. wow, I never thought. And I think this book potentially could do that if they're open, if fans are open to it. Absolutely. I think there is this huge power in what this book is doing, which is unpacking the story in a linear way, right? When you sit down to watch The Phantom Menace, you know, regardless of when you watch it or how you feel about it, you know, it's a lot of things. You know, it's a fast-paced uh, adventure movie. It's got cool lightsaber fights. It is a serious drama. There is, you know, mystery about what's going on. And that's not what this is. Mm -hmm. This is the story in a linear way. It's not a mystery. Here are the facts. Here's what was going on with the benefit of hindsight. Here's what our heroes knew and what they didn't and how both of those things impacted them. So it's just, it, it's a great way to reframe uh, the story. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I know I've mentioned this before. I won't go on and on about it. I, I you know, wrote, uh, there was interest from James Arnold Taylor about doing an Obi-Wan Kenobi a stage show and you know there's nothing could happen with that right now but i had great fun writing a one-person show where it went through this exercise of well let's put all kenobi's events strip everything else about the films away and just go through what did kenobi experience how did he feel about it how would he have made the leap from one thing to another you know how would this event have informed his opinion about the next thing and that is such a fun way to retell the story in that linear fashion, focusing on specific characters. And Kristen Baver is so sharp, such a great writer. I think has such great uh, love and emotion and understanding of Star Wars that I think it's going to reveal a lot of connections between the eras, 
a lot of connections between the traits of the Skywalkers. I think it's going to pull out big themes and just make them sing. They're in there in the movies, but it's this is going to highlight them in a different way. This is a different point of view on those big themes. Yeah, I, I hope I hope this book gets excited, uh, gets people excited, and and I love the little clip. Is there anything that jumped out of you about that you love that was highlighted in this excerpt, or or anything that uh, maybe even you, you thought about again for the first time, or thought, thought for the first time? Yeah, I really like that idea that what Qui Gon said to Anakin in this brief moment would be impactful to him. That he would truly listen to that. You know, your focus determines your reality. You know the the force is real you are a part of it basically that he would really internalize those things and and try to focus on them and i think that she highlights that emotional impact of of anakin of okay i i do there is a future for me and then that future being ripped away Mm. that i think that's you know, one of those moments that like, of course, yes, that's logically what happens in the film. He lost his mom and then he immediately loses uh, this guy who was nice to him. And then he's stuck with Obi-Wan who isn't sure about him. Right. But this makes you feel it in a different way because we're going through the events specifically from his perspective. Yeah. Yeah. The great use of that quote. And one of the things I loved here, uh, reading from the the book here, however, where Qui-Gon saw promise, Obi-Wan Kenobi and many of the Jedi uh, council sensed trouble. And for me, you you and I over the last year, a lot of times, you know, I, I hammer on a lot of just like the, the fade and destiny are about these choices and leading you to a point of choice. And to see it just in this, I think we've discussed it and thought about it before, but to see it so plainly here to me, this jumped out as Qui-Gon saw the power of choice and the power of potential in the Jedi Order, understandably wanted to take that choice away from Anakin and, and, and the problems that might have caused. And just to see that, to see the, those paths truly diverge right there and, and Building block, building blocks for trouble might have been in place there. Uh, it's something I enjoyed from uh, this reading here. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's what's so great about something like this is that to me connects to almost every other story we talked about mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> today, right? Of okay, how did where were the Jedi going wrong? Well, uh, if they saw something that had equal potentials uh, to be something amazing, but also danger and they lean toward their fear when encountering Anakin. And then that ties to, you know, the high Republic uh, failures. Uh, you know, how, how did the Jedi fall from the high Republic to the, the Jedi we know in the prequels that ties to uh, talking about what are we going to see of, of Owen who, who means well by keeping Luke safe, but is also making an entirely fear-based decision of yeah. there's even the possibility that it could go wrong if you leave home. So never, ever do it, you know, yeah. it, already, Something like this is sparking all of these great uh, connections. Ah, love it. I'm, I'm really excited for this one. Really excited for this book. And uh, it's available for pre-order right now ahead of its April 6th release. Uh, so we'll, soon. We'll be covering it here. Skywalker, A Family at War by Kristen Baver. Coming out soon indeed. All right. We're going to take a quick break. But before we do an audiobook, we think you should try out on us. Joseph, what do we have today? We are recommending Victory's Price by Alexander Freed. We are going to be discussing it next week, a final chapter in the Alphabet Squadron trilogy, and I am enjoying it very much. Yes, I am too. It's uh, slow going in, in, in terms of reading because of life right now, but uh, of uh, the book so far, I'm really enjoying this one. Can't wait to, discuss, can't wait to discuss it. So uh, get ready for that by downloading your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audio book. All right, from there, we're going to take a quick break and get to your questions here on Force. Center. 
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this Improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Welcome back to Force Center. This is episode 310 of our main show, our superstar story of our fleet. We're happy you're all here. Uh, again, if, you, if you're just joining us or re-catching up because of the big Kenobi news, maybe bringing you in, bringing you back, uh, welcome. Uh, we're still here diving on in, and we love taking uh, a look at uh, your questions, and we get them from all sorts of places, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Patreon as well. Joseph, uh, we got some uh, doozies here today. That's right. We go to uh, Twitter first for two questions from Twitter, and then we'll take two questions from our patrons on Patreon. First up on Twitter, we have Brittany Lockwood. Uh, Brittany says, which planets would be home to party schools? (laughs) (laughs) Where would the Arizona State, Florida State, and UC Santa Barbara of the Star Wars galaxy be found? Shout out to the gauchos (laughs) up there at UC Santa Barbara. Wow. Um, Yeah, uh, I went to the University of uh, Minnesota in uh, Minnesota, uh, which uh, I'm sure had some partying, uh, but I was too busy doing sketch comedy, a different kind of party uh, to get uh, get too involved in the party scene. Uh, So I am not an expert on uh, on party schools, but I'll try to translate that to the galaxy far, far away. Uh, Where do you go with this, Ken? Uh, Man, I'm trying to think, uh, you know. I guess in this course, it might be a simple answer because there's a lot of folks there, but I don't think that's in line with the spirit of Brittany's uh, question. So I'll tell you what, University of Naboo is mm. similar to to me to UC Santa Barbara. In fact, if you drive up the coast, I'm, I'm about, I live, uh, was raised about an hour and a half north of Santa Barbara. It's beautiful, uh, beautiful scenery. And Cal Poly Slow is in my hometown area and has, uh, it's, a, it's a big science and agricultural school and but eh, you know it has a reputation for some partying going on there. Um, so I think I think Naboo, believe it or not, has that like everyone wants to go there, mm-hmm. everyone wants to enjoy the scenery and a shack picnic. Uh, and then when you get there, it's like a lot of people like, "Woo, we've made it! Let's have some fun." Yeah, I want to think from some of the ways that Naboo has been described in the books that it is, uh, you know, the the artsy version of a party school, right? Where people are getting getting really drunk on wine and and you know uh, disagreements about uh, analysis of ancient uh, Naboo poems is leading to fistfights. It you know what it could be you know you. Um Locally here, and I had a lot of my old roommates from 20 years ago, All I knew four or five people that went to the school closely, close friends of mine, uh, CalArts, which, uh, mm, yes, has, you know, uh, just churned out so many talented people, especially in the field of animation and filmmaking, but so many talented people and so many notorious parties and things that would go on. <laughs> so that might be in line with that. 
Yeah, uh, I thought of Corson as well. I'm sure that there is just like a uh, a, a a big uh, party section uh, mm. that could absolutely be uh, pointed out as you fly in uh, with a blatant exposition from Rick Oli, and that's where the college is. Um, but you know, the, this is a little counterintuitive okay. uh, because we don't get to see it in the film. But I thought Corellia, right? Okay, uh, yeah, because we see the working class Corellia, especially the working class Corellia during the uh, horrors of the empire where people aren't getting paid and are being ground down and, you know, uh, and, and poverty is causing all sorts of problems. Uh, but, you know, it, Corellia is, you know, a planet that makes the ships, but I think people, the people who are in charge of those companies are probably making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I think there is a posh part of Corellia where if you are, uh, not making the ships, but your parents own the companies that make the ships. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you get sent to a nicer part of Corellia, I think. I don't know. I just, in my mind, I think this is why it went to it. In my mind, uh, I saw a, a um, 80s rom-com or just kind of a raunchy comedy where a young Han Solo, uh, you know, falls in love with a, a girl from the posh part of Corellia and crashes her college party. <laughs> totally. That's great. I'm there for that. I'm with you. <laughs> well, I can't wait to uh, party in my mind on Naboo and Corellia. Any other thoughts on that one before we move on, Ken? No, either. I uh, did not uh, party through my late teens and 20s either. And uh, in fact, uh, two years of community college uh, just left. So, um, you know, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's great. Well, that's my favorite part uh, of parties, just walking away. So you did that at college. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, next question comes from Michael Gibbons on Twitter. Uh, Michael says, hi, Force Center. Star Wars has a great legacy for collectors. Do you think we'll ever see physical releases of Disney Plus content to put up on the shelf one day? I can understand physical releases might not push people to the new platform, but I'd miss having those stories at home. This is such a great question, and I, I love that Michael uses the word legacy. For a lot of people, it isn't even about, like, I don't want to watch the streaming. I want, I want to watch it on my uh, Blu-ray player. It is the, the the shelf legacy, the the looking at it, the holding Mandalorian in your hand. How do you feel about this, Ken? Well, look, my my mother's not a huge Star Wars fan, but she'll never see the Mandalorian until it's available on DVD at the library. So, yes, uh, I, I'm for this in a lot of ways. I am a, I'm a collector, too. And if I, I don't purchase a lot of uh, physical media anymore other than comic books and, and novels. I just... I, I, Love taking up space on shelves, but I do still get the Star Wars ones. In fact, I, I, gotta tell, I don't think I have Rise of Skywalker on Blu-ray. I have to go check. I don't think I do, which is just a sign of the times of like, well, I got it at Amazon. We usually buy it for certain. Now you got Disney Plus. So I don't even I don't even think about it much anymore, but I know just having it there. And I think I think it would do well. I think you throw in some extras, you throw in a special Grogu collector's tin box or whatever. And I think you get the, the people will come, right? The people will come. So I, I, I think, you know, I, I think it could happen. I, there's no plans announced. We, we know that, but uh, you know, again, do they want to completely move away from it? I don't know. Are they leaving behind some money on the table? Probably. So that, that might be the driving force for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is one where where Star Wars is a beautiful moving story that means the world to me, but I also recognize that it is made by a corporation that wants to make money. And this is a, would it make money, right? Uh, is Are there enough people who are never going to get Disney Plus or collectors who are like, yes, no, I've watched uh, Mandalorian literally uh, six times on Disney Plus, but I still want it on my shelf. I still want to hold it in my hand. 
uh, in that question of is it going to pay for itself? I kind of hope a, like a timeline rhythm develops, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. for example, this uh, this November will be two years since the first season of Mandalorian, right? Yeah. I can't imagine that having a fun little, even stripped down without a ton of extras, uh, Blu-ray of just season one of Mandalorian two years out yeah. is going to hurt streaming subscriptions, right? Correct. I don't think and that. there is precedent for it, right? Because uh, like Stranger Things has their really fun, you can buy, you know, different seasons in the VHS box, right? Uh, which is, uh, I think, to make Stranger Things available to people who are just like, I'm not, I don't do streaming, I'm not getting Netflix. Yeah. Um, but then also is, if you like Stranger Things, it's hard to turn down that cool VHS box. Yeah. Uh, so I can definitely see uh, something like that. I also just had a a reaction for myself of, my wife and I are talking about uh, taking a vacation somewhere uh, just like a weekend at a place that isn't even that remote, but on their website, they're like, internet is extremely spotty. Be aware of it. And I had that like weird, Oh wow. If we want to watch things, I would have to super pre plan. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Which is just that reminder that is ubiquitous is streaming and internet feels to all of us. It isn't actually ubiquitous. It isn't actually everywhere at all times right now. Right. And that there is still, you know, you know, it's weird to think like, hey, but if I went to that cabin, I can't watch Mandalorian <laughs> hey, without, you know, stealing it in some way. You're talking to someone who kept his landline probably about five years after he should have gotten rid of it just in case of an earthquake. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, which in the back of my head, I'm still like, oh, boy, those towers go down. Uh, how do I communicate? So, yeah, it's 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 a thing, too. It's a thing, too. Trust me. I got a I got a robot vacuuming my floor. That could go bad. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, uh, Michael, I think it's a great question. And again, Star Wars fans just naturally we don't want to generalize naturally love to collect things. So. It's a part of the tradition, right? I mean, even to the point where, uh, you know, I've been seen in in different fun social media groups, uh, both for Star Wars and Twin Peaks, uh, sharing the different releases you have because they aren't just the practical way of viewing. The physical items themselves are, you know, holders of of memory, you know? And I think that is, I think Michael's point about the actual legacy of the physical item is is, uh, really meaningful. And... Uh, my dad's probably not going to get Disney Plus, and I know he'd like Mandalorian. So please, yeah. let me buy this for my dad. There you go. There you go. For my dad and Ken's mom, yeah. we need the Mandalorian on physical media. <laughs> uh, all right, great question. We're going to move on to our questions from uh, patrons on Patreon. First up, at Callum Stone Street. Uh, Callum says, with the Masters coming up, it got me thinking. Which Star Wars character would be the best golfer? I think Leia would be great as I see a competitive edge as well as calmness under pressure. Uh, This is a great question. Uh, I am uh, obsessed enough with Doctor Who that when I first read With the Masters coming up, I was like, ooh, interesting. (laughs) But no, this is a golf sports thing that I do not know as much about as uh, as I bet you do, Ken. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I do. I do love golf. It's been a few years since I've golfed regularly. I don't golf well, so I know what doesn't work on the field. Um, Leia is a great choice. Leia is an absolute great choice. Luke, Luke would be a good choice gone bad because you know if you have fits of uh, passion and rage that you have to overcome often, uh, golf might not be for you. So because of that, I think it's natural to go to a Jedi. And I, I'll tell you what, we mentioned a lot on this episode already, but Qui Gon Jinn talk about someone focused, determined to reality, and go to the light. Because this guy's a walking sports advice giver. He just doesn't know it yet. 
So I think golf can be a very uh, spiritual game. You must connect to a lot of things. It's also very organic. It's out there on a beautiful, uh, you know, plot of land that was, uh, you know, I know people have opinions on that too. I get it. But once you're there, golf courses are pretty, um, are pretty. And uh, so I, um, I could, I think I could see Qui-Gon just really almost doing it to, uh, calm, serene, eyes closed. And a, and a backup choice would be Sherrod Emway, who, though blind, mm. in tune with the energies and so in tune with, without, with, with, with what's out there. I, th- I think he could work as well. I am one with the ball and the ball is with me. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, I came up with two answers uh, because my first answer was Qui-Gon and then I just sensed the force. I think Ken's going to come <laughs> to Qui-Gon too. Because <laughs> he's he is just a perfect answer. Uh, I Caleb uh, set this up with Leia. I think that's so great. I think uh, Leia might also use the Force without realizing it. Uh, so that does lead your mind down to what is who is the best Force user? And yeah, Qui Gon, man, the the just the kneeling and the meditation, the using uh, a lot of Force when you need to, really pulling back when you don't. Which uh, I understand from playing uh, golf on the Wii back in the day. That's what you yeah. need to do. Totally. Um, and then also depending on the situation, the fact that we know. That Qui-Gon is open to cheating just a little. You know, he did give that little force push to the chance cube. You're so right. <laughs> Would he chance cube, you know, a ball into the hole if it, if something, not for his own vanity, he would never do that. But if something else was yes. riding on the golf game. Uh, that's awesome. I, I'm all there for that. I think that's great. I think that's great. <laughs> and then my other uh, answer is uh, somebody I've also been thinking about today because of all the Roomba discussion. And that is, oh, peep it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah star wars resistance the great janitor uh with the strange pumpkin head uh you know he he's got that uh, it's not a Roomba because he's manually operating it uh but he's got that great uh floor buffer means he's got i think some some really strong forearm some really great precision i think opeep it would kill it at golf that's a that's a out of the out of the box answer and i love it <laughs> all right well great question Caleb. we will move on to our final question from kevin arnold uh kevin says failure the greatest teacher is what is your favorite mistake you have ever made and what conclusion have you drawn for your life uh we get questions of all kinds and we encourage them we say hey give us a a silly one a funny one tell us why you're asking if there's a story behind it give us a a a big thoughtful ones and i love that we can bounce back and forth ken from uh who in star wars would be good at golf to hey what what are some of the worst mistakes you've made in your life kevin says favorite but that's where my mind went of like oh boy so this is a this is a deeper one where did you go with this I mean, is it leaving college for radio? No, no, it's not. That, look, here's the thing. I'm, I'm a big believer and you kind of end up where you need to be and you look back and you see all the connections. But without a doubt, I I, I may have, I know it's definitely come up on the Knapsack Files a lot. It's just, um, I, I you, you know, you and I have um, a love of sketch comedy of all kinds and all styles and, and all approaches. But uh, the, the art of sketch comedy is something that just has always been in my blood and the art of just comedy. And, and I, I moved to LA for that and, and, and was training down at the ground lanes and got to work with wonderful folks uh, like Mikey Day and Kristen Wiig and Nicole Randall Johnson and, 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 and uh, uh, Sim Padrad and all those wonderful people that went on to wonderful things. And I'm not putting myself on any level uh, of talent with them. I'm not, but I, I was pretty darn good sketch writer at the time and had uh, some people tell me some, you know, you, you really know what you're doing. And I think I sat back and, and not, not in an arrogant way, not in a, but just sat back and said, okay, this is just going to flow naturally i'm where i'm where i need to be 
destiny is in control. And I'm, I'm really good at this and I'll get to the heights that I want to get to, which, you know, Saturday Night Live or any other kind of thing. Right. And I just didn't. And I sat back and I didn't work hard for it. And I didn't continue to, to, um, to try to stretch myself and to seek out, um, what to do. And, 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 and my life went a lot of different ways and I'm right where I need to be and right where I want to be. Uh, but I can't help but wonder, and I always say this term, I got to leave some blood on the tracks. And I, I meaning whether, where, wherever the train goes, as long as you really gave it your all and, and, and just put yourself on the line, I think you can be okay with yourself. And I didn't in that realm. And I remember in 2015, finally getting to New York. I didn't even set foot in New York and sitting there in 30 Rock and staring up at, at Studio 8H uh, on the, you know, and then the 17th floor of the 30 Rock building, these kind of these big things. And I don't know if I ever would have got this. No, that's just a competitive, competitive world. And there's mm-hmm. things that have to, you, you don't know. But I don't know because I didn't go so far. And it wasn't because I got, eventually I got, uh, you know, you get kind of removed from the ground length training system and I didn't get onto the main company and all that kind of stuff. But there's other ways there. Um, and I remember looking up at, at my pal, and I, everyone, he's a big Star Wars fan. Every once in a while, I'll chat with uh, Mikey Day. It's been a couple of years, but um, he's, he's real good pals with uh, our, our buddy Mark and Draco as well. And I remember thinking, I'm like, Mikey's up there right now. God bless him. I love it. But he and I used to work with sketches at the same time. And, 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 and I'm not there. And I'm not there not because of my talent level. I'm not there because I just didn't know and I didn't try. And I stared out at the twin sons of life and I turned <laughs> away. And I don't ever want to do that again. And you're going to have moments where your energy and your commitment fails and goes up and down and ebbs and flows. But I never wanted to look out towards the the twin sons of opportunity and just think, well, if you just, that's where I belong and that's where I'll end up. That's why I think this idea I go back to Joseph of fate and destiny are really just this thing that brings you to important choices is so big for me and resonates for me in star Wars and where I take it. And, and I, I had a choice and I turned away from it and that's a mistake I don't want to make again. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, um, it's been really great to, to see how much, uh, our reflections on star Wars, I, I think have helped us both, uh, yeah. process life decisions. Cause I, I remember, I don't, I can't even remember what episode it was. I think we were doing an episode about, uh, pretty early on wrestling with that idea of, it, it seems like when you break down Star Wars, everything really is about personal choice and responsibility. And yet a lot of the most famous quotes from Star Wars is somebody else telling people what their destiny is going to be. And then, you know, you encounter characters in Star Wars who are like, just trust the force will guide you. And, you know, I remember us having a discussion about how do you marry those two and mm-hmm. coming to this idea of, well, based on who you are, what you're good at. You are going to or what you're good at or um, what situation, you know, you're just sort of born into that. There are these moments that you are going to encounter and you can put them off (laughs) or not. Um, You know, taking Luke as an example uh, in Star Wars of Luke is uh, he can't control the fact that he is the son of Anakin and Padme. He cannot control the fact that he is powerful in the force. Uh, People will want him to choose to use that power one way or the other. And nobody can put off the destiny of choosing to use that power, but the choice is still Luke's. And I think thinking about it that way is what really unlocked that idea uh, for me. And, and I love how much that you have internalized that to your own life. And, you know, and, and to me to translate it to you of, uh, you know, 
you uh, have a specific kind of uh, of uh, comedy gift that I think flows from uh, your charm that even when you're self-deprecating or grumpy, it is in a way that opens other people up and makes them happy. Right. And you could have done that on stage <laughs> yeah. or you could do that on a Star Wars podcast, but that internal power that you have, that natural gift that you have is a destiny that, that you're going to always be, um, you're always going to be faced with different choices about how to use that power that you were just, I think, born with. Oh, well, thank you, sir. Number one and two. Yeah. And, and I found the last couple of years to, to, to the, the specific directions that I want to choose to use some of that as a, uh, changed even so uh i think yeah and it might flow and, and a lot of it's flown from directly from our star wars conversations yeah it's, it's so great uh in uh very very nice that star wars can help us i know this quote that kevin is talking about with mm-hmm. uh you know failure being a great teacher is something that's resonated a lot with people um i think you and i are similar we have bonded over uh, the fact that we've have lots of different interests and have lots of different mm-hmm. turning points where we could have gone all in on this or all in on right. that uh, and I, I, you know, I beat myself up about that a lot about what are the, you know, different big choices that we make. And, and I think one of the things about that quote for me that's really resonant is I think there are the kind of mistakes that we make in life that are as clear cut as uh, I touched a hot stove and learned that will burn you. And so I never touched it again. Right. Uh, but I think a lot of mistakes are just learning about who you are and learning that that's the mm-hmm. kind of mistake I'm prone to make. Yeah. <laughs> Good, bad or otherwise. And what I can learn from my mistake is not to just never, ever do it again, but to realize uh, when destiny is bringing me to a point of choice and there's that fork in the road and to know yourself well enough to go, ooh, I know I'm tempted to turn left, but that might be a mistake I've made before. So I should stop Mm -hmm. and consider turning right, you know, and and really sensing uh, when accept yourself because that's who you are versus okay, but I shouldn't follow that instinct because it's not going to work out well. And I've learned that in the past from this, this failure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like to think it not just a, like you, you, you make your five critical mis- <laughs> mistakes, yeah, yeah. then you learn from them forever. But it's more about learning uh, in general. I went to, for myself, I went to a comedy sketch uh, <laughs> memory as well, but it's real specific. Um, yeah. Relatively early, I was doing a, a comedy sketch and uh, I had a show, a, a sketch show, and I had a, uh, a one person sketch uh, that went really well. It, it was kind of a, it, it was both a verbal thing and a, a physical thing uh, that it was a little bit kind of hard to pull off and, and I nailed it. I was really happy. Um, and I went off stage and then the person who was doing the next sketch had a, a costume malfunction and was late on their cue. So there wasn't anything on stage for just a second. Mm-hmm. And I jumped out and like made a joke to the audience about how you know everything's falling apart backstage but it'll be fine and the audience who had just been laughing at my sketch a ton just looked at me like what what the hell are you talking about uh and it was this moment where i think i i learned a a couple of things some of them are like just practical comedy things uh but other kind of bigger life things uh that um being being aware of when a problem is not yours to fix mm, yeah <laughs> that you don't need to jump in uh because like the person who went on after me was like i wish you would have just let me handle it because i was the person who was running late and i was the person who needed to build right. uh, a rapport with the audience and acknowledge that mistake so i wish you had let me fix 
my problem. And that that's just a general good life lesson of yeah, yeah. realizing, <laughs> okay, sometimes when you see people in trouble, you know, you you are you absolutely should help them. In those other moments where you're like, that's a problem, but right now it's not my problem and I shouldn't do anything about it unless ask. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that was a big element of it. And then I think that the kind of the, the deeper thing, which I think is, is about comedy, but about life is I realized that the reason I made that mistake was people responded well to that specific sketch I was doing uh, because, you know, I did a good job on that sketch. That does not immediately translate to absolutely anything I say to those people will be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in my youth, in uh, my naive sense, it was just like, uh, they gave me a bunch of attention points and I can spend them or, you know, I made them like me. So now they're going to like anything I do. And, and, and it really launched me a way that I think about mm. art mm. is that, uh, you know, people are capable of being brilliant. Uh, but that doesn't mean something is brilliant just because you made it. <laughs> Every time you make something, you have to do a good job to build that trust and make a brilliant thing, you know? And I think that's where we can fall into ego of like the last five sketches I did were brilliant. So I guess it's just that whatever I say is brilliant. Yes. Like, no, you did a good job on that sketch and, and yeah. you have the potential to be brilliant, but you have a responsibility to, to the, the, uh, the work and the relationship with the audience every time and don't just slip into thinking because you've had five successes in a row that the sixth thing is going to be a success because it naturally comes from you your success it does yeah but only with you working it shaping it building a relationship it's not inherently great because you've been great five times before look you're talking about the jedi order at the end of the high republic era <laughs> we've been great for 200 thousands of years. everything we do is well is well intentioned and great Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, from from comedy sketch mistakes uh, to the Jedi Order failing Anakin Skywalker. Yes, it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Hey, you know, it's something you learn in stand up real quick. Your last joke is uh, nothing. It's your last joke. Yeah, yeah, and you can buy a, a certain amount of respect from the audience, mm -hmm. uh, but you also buy a certain amount of expectation. You know, of you, you know, do your best. You know. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's, that's, I, you know, and, and I, I choose to use those points you earn uh, that you're talking about in the hotel lobby or the theater lobby afterwards with, you know, friends and give, give me a drink. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, you know, I think, I do think people are brilliant, but again, it's just that mm -hmm. the way that we express that is by doing brilliant work. Not just, I'm here, <laughs> therefore, I am brilliant. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a subtle difference, uh, but it, it was one that I, I learned a lot from and still try to learn from. I agree. I just Any, chosen one doesn't mean you're going to bring balance to the force right away. That's true. Sometimes you still get trapped under uh, some rubble uh, when Django Fett's helmet blows up. Yeah. Uh, that is what we learned from our most recent episode of The Clone Wars that we were watching. Ken, any other thoughts on this great question uh, from Kevin? Oh, I love that question, uh, Kevin. Uh, everyone here, I love the wide variety of questions. From party schools to our greatest failures, we covered it all here, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, if we're talking greatest, I have some much worse failures, but, I, you know, yeah. favorite. Yeah. We're going to thank you, Kevin, for making this uh, failure. 
<laughs> rather than greatest, because that's a, a larger, darker conversation. Yeah. But so great that so many people have gotten so much out of that moment in that lesson in The Last Jedi that uh, uh, failure is not just something to uh, beat yourself up about, but something to learn from. I think a great thing that we all need to remember. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, uh, Caleb. Thank you, uh, Michael and Brittany, for the great questions from golf to failure. We talked about them all, Ken. Talked about them all indeed. And if you want to get us a question, you can do so by following us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Podcasts available in a lot of spots, including Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now Amazon Music. And don't forget to check it out on Spotify. If you're a Spotify user, podcasts are there and pretty easy to take in on that app. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Now is the time to get that Speculate Responsibly t-shirt. <laughs> that you can get to remind yourself. Uh, you can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. Uh, thank you for all the uh, recent new uh, patron uh, patrons joining. We really appreciate that. You can follow me at cadnapsock. Go to cadnapsock.com. Also do work over at the Good People Association. Go to the gpa.fund to find out more there. We like to highlight um, places uh, of concern, places to donate, things to raise awareness out there in the real world. I mentioned this on the Clone Wars episode on Friday. Uh, but uh, I want to highlight uh, coloradohealingfund.org if you're looking to uh, still donate and support uh, directly to the Boulder supermarket tragedy. You can go there. Um, and uh, this was uh, formed uh, and built after the Columbine tragedy of uh, 99 uh, all those years ago. So the coloradohealingfund.org is the place to go for that. Joseph. Yeah, I fully, uh, fully support that great recommendation. Uh, for myself, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out my website, josephsgrimshaw.com, for all my other comedy adventures, uh, my podcast, uh, Obsessed, that I do with my wife, uh, Sarah, uh, lots of comedy albums, and you can also find a link to the Adult Swim show that I write for, Tigtone. Both current seasons are streaming on HBO Max. So after you've watched uh, the Justice League and then the black and white version of Justice League and the theatrical release of Justice League, uh, go ahead and try out Tigtone. That's it for me, Ken. That's it for Joseph. That's it for me. That's it for Kitster, who is no doubt the secret star of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, we'll update you when the real casting confirmations on roles are are made. Uh, that is it for now. We'll see you next time here on Force Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.